0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to
0: another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler get! all. Oh, wow. The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big man. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jayden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite kind of like Duncan. The crowd loves it. Pistons need a three, and they have just other three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is.
1: Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano. Joining me this week is the full crew. Both Aaron Johnson and Jasper Bologna are joining me this week. Talk about the Pistons coaching hire that we nearly missed by just two hours for last week's podcast. Fellas, how are you doing?
0: doing good. I know we got a lot to get into today. We're a couple weeks out from the NBA draft. We are at the point of the offseason that I really really love, but we're almost there. You know, once you get to like that week of the NBA draft and everything just starts to to fly. Meanwhile, I'm talking about the offseason as the NBA finals are still being played, but it's been the offseason for a while for the Pistons, but we're getting to that point where it's it's almost the week of the draft and then everything starts to ramp up for the offseason. So super excited uh to to get to that point. We've got a lot to talk about today, and I'm glad to be doing it with both of you gentlemen.
2: Yeah, it's great, man. Like, the fun finals matchup. Um, I mean, some really great basketball being played right now, but there's still something to be interested in for the Pistons. We have the draft coming up. We have Monty Williams in town now. Uh, Things are really coming along right now. I'm I'm super excited as well, Aaron. I'm 100% with you on that one.
1: Well, we do have a lot to get to on this episode of the podcast. So we're going to go ahead and roll right into it right after a brief sponsor read from our good friends at Bet Online. And Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores, the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season. They've got you covered for all your sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right down to UFC and boxing. BetOnline online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and games. You can play right from your home. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device and get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that promo code is believe B L E A V to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. So by about like two hours and fifty minutes, or three hours and twenty minutes, or something very close to that, we narrowly missed talking about the official news that the Detroit Pistons had hired Monty Williams to be the next head coach. Um, Very disappointed, obviously, but we were still able to get a little bit of time in because there was the late breaking news that day that it looked like he was heading in the direction that Detroit was going to be able to hire Williams, were able to sway him from taking the year off and pocketing the Phoenix Suns' paychecks while doing nothing. They were able to sway him from that, which sounds like a pretty sweet gig in its own right, to also be taking those checks in addition to the ones the Pistons are paying him, uh, which they're paying him a serious bag. Serious bag. Six years, $78.5 million. Is long, it's the largest coaching deal in NBA history. Has a couple of kickers in there that could increase that to eight years, $100 million, which would be astronomical. Um, Largest deal in NBA history. The Pistons needed to get this decision right. We've harped all season-long and how important this offseason is, uh, how important this coaching hire is. And they went out, and after some very discouraging months, uh, weeks of fuddling around with Kevin Ali and Adrian Griffin and Jerron Collins and Charles Lee, uh, they have pushed all of them aside for Monty Williams, an NBA Coach of the Year winner, Uh, a guy who has led a team to the NBA finals, who's been a part of both championship caliber squads and up and coming ones as well. um, And who maybe got an unfair shakeout in Phoenix as the Suns went out to hire Frank Vogel, which is the most lateral to slightly below replacement that they could have had in my opinion. Uh, But, helps the Pistons out. So they went ahead and swayed Monty Williams. Tom has opened up the pockets, and he gets a massive deal. Guys, we talked about how important coaching uh, was going to be and how important this decision was going to be. Before we even get into Steven Silas, who has also agreed to join Monty Williams, before we get into that, let's talk about Monty Williams. Biggest deal in NBA coaching history. Jasper, you were in the group chat saying that that is a – that's a lot of money for a head coach. That if things go south, you're going to be owing him a significant uh, chunk of change to not be on the sidelines. Um, I guess I'll start with you. What What do you? Fe- well, how do you feel about this huge contract for a coach that is clearly, you know, several steps above the candidates that the Pistons seemed seemed like they were about to um, go in and and really seriously hire.
2: Well, you said it right there, Mike. This is a head coach that was several steps above the guys that they were looking at, and you're totally right. I did say, look, this this is a big, big deal. Even if Monty Williams doesn't hit all those kickers and get the hundred million seventy eight and a half, that is a significant investment into your coaching staff. Uh, like you said, even before we get into who they're bringing along as assistant coaches, so. For me, yeah, there's a reason to be a little bit worried if things go south just because it's hard to see Tom Gorris wanting to spend big money on another head coach if he's firing Monty Williams and still paying him a lot of money to be the no longer head coach uh, like Matt Ishbia was willing to do uh, this offseason. So I think from that perspective, eh, you know, maybe you're a little bit worried about what it means for the uh, the team a few years down the line but the fact of the matter is this was a home run coaching hire and the reason it was is not just because i think monty williams is a great head coach which i do uh, he's the guy that i said they should be going after until he says no and that's all he can do uh tom Gorris obviously felt the same way he just kept on saying another zero okay one more zero at the end of that paycheck all right you got it buddy whatever you need um And I think for me, that shows a real commitment from Tom Gorris to winning and to improving. And for me, I think from an organizational perspective, that shows great, great promise for the future of this team. It's not a surprise. It's not a secret. Tom Gorris has been anti-tanking. He basically only did it because his hand was forced. Uh, This is a guy who wants to win. And I think it's very clear after giving Monty Williams two million dollars more per year than greg popovich makes i don't know if you guys know greg popovich he's he's done a couple things on the nba over the last 27 years of his career um to me this is just a, a home run hire this is the best coaching candidate that, that was on the market at least in my opinion i'd rather have him than mike budenholzer nick nurse uh, doc rivers for sure um yeah to me this is just a it's a home run there's no other way to look at it. Maybe you worry about how much you're paying him if things don't work out, but that's four years down the line. It's not something you worry about right now. Uh, you just go ahead and you say, thank you, Tom Goris. Thank God this doesn't affect the cap, and let's go win some basketball games because that's what Monty Williams is here
0: to do. Yeah, I think this was obviously the hire that I was hoping for once Monty Williams uh, was fired by Phoenix for the concern of the money, you know, to me, I look at, A, it doesn't affect the cap B it's money coming from a billionaire and C this money doesn't really surprise me. Yes. It is the largest contract in history. Yes. He's getting a ton of money, but one thing that Tom Gores has committed himself to is making the, the, the coaching splash higher. He did it with Stan Van Gundy when golden state was courting him and Signed Stan Van Gundy to that massive five-year deal, and then as soon as Dwayne Casey became available, he was flying, pri- uh, flew a private plane out to Dwayne Casey and courted him. So it doesn't really surprise me that Tom Gores is will uh, was willing to spend and willing to make this hire and willing to commit this money over such a long stretch of years because this is what he has grown to to do, and you just have to hope that this one works out better than the past two. Um, you know, not that, again, I, I said this before, not that all the blame's on Dwayne Casey, because he certainly hasn't been given a roster, wasn't given a roster during his time uh, as the head coach that was really ever going to be capable of doing a whole lot. Um, but nonetheless, this is a, a huge commitment. Monty Williams is an amazing coach. He is one of the best coaches in the league. Now he's getting paid like it. And let's face it, the numbers for new coaching contracts are probably going to continue to trend upward uh you know in a significant way eric spolstra is probably that i saw a report that eric spolstra was projected to command like 20 million dollars on his uh, annually on his next coaching contract like it's not a surprise to me with these nba players making 30 40 50 million dollars a year now that coaches are going to start to see uh that big increase in in, in annual salary uh as well but totally, totally elated with this hire for Detroit for a coaching search that was trending in such a bad direction. It was taking a long time. Tom Gores and Troy Weaver didn't seemingly like the same candidates. Uh, They didn't, you know, they weren't able to get a a big name early on like Houston did and Ime Udoka. For them to come out of this with Monty Williams, with arguably the best coach to become available on the market, it's a a huge hit for, for the Pistons. And it's something that this organization desperately needed it's something that this franchise desperately needed he has such a great pedigree you know his offensive philosophy is something that it's it's modern it's effective it led the phoenix suns to an nba title on a team that you know albeit was very good but certainly i don't think was necessarily the favorite to make it to to the nba finals he he's gonna bring a lot to the table i think it's a great hire from the standpoint of what he's going to bring to the table for guys like Cunningham and Jaden Ivy, two young guards, uh, guards, you know, that Monty Williams has worked with in the past have obviously had great, great careers. And he's, you know, it's still offenses that are predicated on starting with the guards. And that's, what's going to be the bread and butter of this Detroit team for the next 10 years. If Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivy are the franchise pillars that they're being set up to be. So really, really happy with his Hire, you know, I think the Pistons are starting to move in the right direction uh, as Williams builds out his staff. You know, I think getting a guy like Steven Silas uh, on his bench is, is a great addition, a guy that brings experience, now as a head coach as well, but was a very, very well-respected uh, assistant coach during his time uh, on other head coaching staff's mm-hmm. bench. So I, I think this was a great hire by Detroit. I I, I don't necessarily about the financial commitment because it's not my money and it doesn't count against the cap so it doesn't limit Detroit in any way and at the end of the day if in four years Tom Gores has to eat 20 million dollars 30 million dollars do I really care about that no not really no I think for me my only concern is like is
2: Tom Gores willing to eat 20 million dollars on head coaches you know what I mean I, that's that's the only concern I have when it comes to money but I'm totally with you the Steven Silas thing also is a big win, especially for the team with two young, talented guards that are going to be the fulcrum of your offense moving forward. Steven Silas is the ideal assistant coach for that. And Monty Williams is the ideal head coach to pair with an assistant coach like Steven Silas. You know, that's one of those things in coaching staffs. It's It's great to bring on these big names, the guys that make you excited. But look, if the head coach doesn't integrate... What the assistant is is bringing to the table into their offense, into their defense, then it doesn't really matter. Well, Monty Williams, his entire philosophy fits exactly with what Steven Silas brings as an offensive mind. So for me, I just think it even goes more so than that. Like, yeah, it's great amazing to bring in Monty Williams. I think bringing in Stephen Silas just doubly proves how committed Tom Goris is to building this coaching staff and look we've talked about it damn near since the beginning of last season the pistons have to nail all four aspects of this offseason they needed to nail their coaching search needed to nail the draft free agency and trades well they're one for four so far and the draft is coming up in two weeks so we're really rapidly going to be able to see just how serious this front office just how serious ownership is about taking that leap. Mike, you said it earlier. Monty Williams is no stranger to turnarounds. The year before he came in at in Phoenix, that team finished 19 and 63. His first year there, they finished 34 and 39. So this is not something that he's not used to. This is something that you absolutely can depend on him for. And look, with a potentially eight-year deal with all that money invested... He's not just the guy who's there to turn around the team. He's there to turn it around and also get you to be competitive, to be competitive, like a a team that is looking at a playoff spot year in, year out. That's why he's here. And you, you know, knock on wood, you don't have to have Troy Weaver make another coaching hire if everything goes the way that it should.
0: One last thing that I wanted to mention on this, and I think this is a good point, This hire to me and the commitment that Tom Gores and Troy Weaver made to Monty Williams signifies to me that this team, this organization really does want to get out of the mud now because you don't commit up to $100 million to a coach and then bring out a team like they did last year that was so flawed fundamentally. Uh, It was built flawed and never was repaired throughout the season. To me, this signifies that there's there's a serious desire to start putting together a winning team. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done if they're going to do that. But this type of hire and the commitment that they made tells me that they're serious about it. Because if they went out and hired Jerron Collins, you know, and paid him a quarter of, of what Monty Williams got, like that's still a commitment, but $100 million, 78 and a half million dollars, Those are big, big numbers, and you're not paying that to a coach unless you're serious about trying to take the leap. And, you know, the Pistons, we've talked about it. I I firmly believe that they have some great players, some great young pieces in Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, and Jalen Duran. But there's a lot of, of roster that has to be built out. They still need a forward. They need depth pieces. There's a lot of work that has to be done, and if they're ready to commit $100 million to a coach, I think now's the time that they're ready to start seriously making changes to this roster, seriously starting to make more significant moves. Hopefully that means that they're putting some sort of plan in place to get a big-name wing, get an all-star-level player to add to this roster, but at the minimum, it signifies some some moves are coming for this team.
1: So, Aaron, you had mentioned philosophy uh, with – Monty Williams, and I think that's an important thing that we should touch on briefly, so Monty Williams, I know this is going back into the crevices of your memory, but he led the suns to that eight oh eight no record in the bubble um which feels like it was forever ago, but I distinctly remember watching the suns go bonkers in the bubble um the defense is a strong suit for monty williams as as well um you know they were 7th in uh defensive rating this past year they were 6th in defended f- field goal percentage according yeah. to nba.com he turned their defense around he turned the phoenix suns defense around they they went from 29th to 17th in defensive efficiency in his first year phoenix never never left the top 10 after that and you know he's he's been able to turn younger players into viable players not not just good defenders viable players i mean mikhail bridges was kind of this un unmolded wing that you know became absolutely critical to the nba finals run that they had you know you could say what you want about deandre ayton but you know he had some productive stretches and had some productive time um in, you know in in phoenix after monty williams got there cam johnson became a very reliable shooter now he's one of the more coveted uh restricted free agents this off season he went from kind of being a, a you know a one-trick pony um to being a very efficient three-point shooter and you know th- those were young players and monty williams trusted them to move through their mistakes move through their shortcomings and just continued to push them and eventually it led to finding ways to win. Um, so I, you know, he fits this team really well and the Pistons defense was subpar last year to put it kindly. So bringing in a defensive mind like Monty Williams and the guy has a pedigree with young players. It's like a perfect storm. Um, Bringing all of this together, and then you add Steven Silas, um, former Houston Rockets head coach. He has agreed to join Monty's staff. You know, you 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 continue to bulk up with offensive mindsets as well. And this is a coach that came from being around a group of very young players in Houston, from Jabari Smith to Kevin Porter to Jalen Green to Alperen Sengun. I mean, you had a lot of young guys um, as. As well. So he has experience doing that. He wasn't necessarily successful in Houston. And, you know, there were a lot of ups and downs and mostly downs that that were seen uh, in the locker room and and in the chemistry of that team. But I don't think that was necessarily all Stephen Silas's fault. But, you know, you add him in here. And now you're starting to round out a coaching staff that has all the components to create an insulated environment for young players to thrive. Um. But now this this leads me to my next question, and then we'll go ahead and move on to prospects. Um, with getting Monty Williams this massive financial commitment, as you guys have said, getting Steven Silas, who was sought out by the Boston Celtics as well, I mean, that's that's a championship pedigree team that you, know, you were competing with for his services, and he's come here now to Detroit. Um, does this change your mindset or expectations for this offseason are you more willing to go get a win now player with the fifth pick are you open to trading uh the fifth pick get a win now player and let's get back to the postseason like does that does this expedite your timeline for the pistons in any way because i think when we were talking about kevin ollie and charles lee we were thinking oh great we're going to be in the lottery you know detroit will be back in the lottery next year and you know the, the the following season will now be the let's make a leap season. Has has this hire sort of pushed your pushed your um timeline forward to hey we need to get some win now players this off season now there's no more waiting. For for me, my
0: hope was always that the, this was going to be an off season that the Pistons went out and made a splash, whether it was moving the fifth pick to do so or, or putting together a package centered around the fifth pick and young players doing something that was going to seriously impact the and improve the roster. That was always my hope. And I think it was certainly less likely to happen if this team had hired someone like Kevin Ollie and ended up drafting a Thompson's win or, or, you know, something like that, where it seemed like if they signed a younger coach, a less experienced coach, they might take time and draft another young piece to let that coach have another season or have a season to get his NBA footing under his, himself and start building and developing the roster for me my hope is that and kind of what i was alluding to uh, when i last spoke is that the williams commitment committing that money sort of speeds up that process and it signifies that Troy troy weaver and tom gores are going to start getting serious about really improving this team and as i said i think there's some serious serious work that has to be done when i look at this roster i see Ivy, Cunningham, Durin. if they hold on to Boyan Bogdanovich, there's four guys. After that, you know, you throw in someone like Alec Burks, there's a lot of work that has to be done. And I know we're going to talk about the bigs later on in the show that were on the roster from last season, so I don't want to go too in-depth on them. But after those five guys, I don't know how many of those players remaining are helping you get to the playoffs, or helping you in a playoff series. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I still think they're an all-star level player away from really being good enough to be a playoff team. Now, uh, unless major, major leaps are coming for all three of Cunningham, Ivy Duran, and they, they hit hit strong in the draft and, you know, sign the right depth veteran pieces and in, in the summer, like maybe everything swings right, but I still do think they need an all-star type wing, an all-star level player to come in to really, really reinforce the roster uh, and put them over the tops in terms of playoff hopes but yeah i think my hope is that this this expedites it i, I like i said the commitment's so significant i don't think you want to pay 12 you know 15 million dollars a year whatever it is to monty williams to go 25 uh, be a 25 one team again i just don't think that that's all appealing and i've got to hope that that's not the plan at this point mike i'm for me, it comes down
2: to I think there's just too many possibilities to improve this roster without trading the fifth pick for me to entertain that at this point in time. You still do need to acquire young talent. And don't get it like, don't get me wrong, there's also going to be a good player available for you with the 31st pick in this draft. So I'm not necessarily opposed to moving down in the draft. Um, you know, if you can move down to six to seven. That's okay with me because you're still going to get one of these prospects that I really like available to you there. That being said, there's so many ways that you can improve this roster without selling out while you still don't know exactly how all the pieces fit together. I think that doing something like keeping the fifth pick, making a trade for Tobias Harris and using your cap space on Cam Johnson, that to me makes a lot more sense. Let's just say you draft Jairus Walker at five. Okay, well, and you sign Cam Johnson. Okay, well, then you can go into next season with a starting lineup of Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Tobias Harris, and Cam Johnson. And then you have, because, because Tobias Harris is on an expiring deal, you have your power forward of the future and Sherris Walker coming along off the bench. For me, that makes a lot more sense. Get some depth signings figure out how you can improve your roster internally, see where you're at, and then next season you start to invest draft picks in, you know, all-star level players, guys that you think that can take you over the top from being a team that's contending for the play-in to a team that's contending for the division, even in a, a division that has teams like the Milwaukee Bucks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, yes, I'm fully in on committing to this roster and making significant improvements, especially to the starting lineup. But I don't think that it should come at the cost of the fifth pick. Obviously, you know, if Denver comes to you the day after winning the title and says, oh, that was fun. Hey, you guys want a Nikola Jokic for the fifth pick? I'm taking that. But realistically speaking, I think that there are better options available to the Pistons this off season than moving on from, from a top five pick.
1: Okay, I, I mean, I agree. I think you should probably hold on to five. Everybody has a value, uh, including draft picks. So, yeah, if someone's come knocking with an NBA ready player and another uh, first and they want five that badly, you know, obviously you you would go ahead and make that make that trade or or you know, trade away the fifth pick if it's if it's right. But yeah, I, th- I think' we're sort of in agreement that we're expecting more movement, more meaningful movement this off season as opposed to last off season with the expectation that you're going to be competing for a play in spot. And I think with Monty Williams being brought on board and with Steven Silas being brought on board, you're going to be hoping for a lot more than like what Aaron said, 25 wins, Um, which would be a pretty big jump still.
2: Yeah. I mean, you have, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich, you have expiring contracts. You have $30 million in cap space. I, I just don't think that... I, I just think there's better options available to you than to to trade number five. Like, really, what is the fifth pick in this draft going to get you? I, I think that's the bigger question. Would that even get you OG and Anubi from the, the Raptors? No. They were asking for three firsts. Right. So, like, if you are trading the fifth pick for... It's gotta be for an all-star level player, and that's going to include multiple other picks as well. I just don't right. think the roster is solidified enough. And also, if you make that trade, you're also going to have to be taking on that player's cap, you know, their contract, which is gonna eat into your cap space, regardless of what you're right. sending back. So for me, no, I, I still think flexibility and and the things that they have around them are more valuable. Than consolidating before you have even won 25 games with this roster.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, a consolidation move. You know, I don't think we're at that point yet, um, but hopefully get there soon. Cause that means you're on the cusp of winning. And speaking of some of these prospects we can get rather Detroit can get at five. We are two weeks from the draft, which is pretty crazy to think about that the NBA finals are going to be over over in two weeks um pretty wild uh but james edwards the third of the athletic has reported that the pistons are honing in to use uh, some of Woj's terms when he spoils picks three picks in advance on twitter uh the pistons are honing in on four prospects to select with a fifth overall pick that's cam whitmore that's jairus walker it's amon thompson and auster thompson a Thompson twin being available no matter what at five um, and plus Walker and Whitmore, who are a little more divisive on Pistons Twitter in terms of how they fit and how they are going to mesh with the rest of the very young roster. Uh, we have some excellent previews for some of these prospects. In fact, one of them is already out. Amen Thompson's is already out by, the legendary Tim Forkin. Uh, so definitely go over to palacepistons.com and check that out. We're going to have several others on the way, including Jasper, one of you from Jerris Walker. Um, so Jasper, I guess I'll start with you, since you've been looking at some of these prospects and, and evaluating them. Um, who do you predict Pistons will be taking with the fifth overall pick? Assuming Ooh. that Scoot and victor woman are going to be gone one and two although i don't think that is actually going to happen it seems like brandon miller's the trendy pick at two with scoot being available at three
2: yeah, brilliant organization those sharp hornets uh there's a reason they've won as many titles as they have anyway uh yeah i think for me man it's see it's it's different who do i predict versus who do i want you know spoiler alert the guy i wrote an article on is jairus walker and i've become a much bigger believer in his game uh, after really going a little bit more in depth. I- I'm still not that crazy about Cam Whitmore. I see the appeal, but he's the type of player that I'm fine with missing on. If I'm wrong on him, I'm wrong on him. I can live with that. Prediction wise. I, I think the way that it's going to work out, I think Miller Henderson and Webanyama obviously go top three. I think Edmund Thompson goes for and that's a real shame, because if it if he was available at five, that is the guy I'd want them to take, and it's the guy I think that they would take. That being said, if he's gone, I think Jairus Walker has to be the pick there. He just fits exactly what they're looking for from a complimentary player. You have somebody in Jalen Duran who's your center of the future. You have your guards of the future. If you have somebody like Jairus Walker, he is one of those... I don't want to say he's Draymond comparable because they have such different games. Um, And if he ever becomes half the passer, Draymond Green, then he's one of the best passing bigs in NBA history right there. That being said, he is the type of connective player that makes good teams hum. You think about all the great title teams. They always had a guy like that who just goes in there and does a little bit of everything for you. I think of Boris Diaw for the Spurs. I think of uh, Andre Iguodala for the Warriors. Those are the type of players that take you over the top for being a really good team to being a championship contending team. And Jairus Walker fits the mold for me. He's a really good athlete. He is super skilled in terms of his footwork, his uh, dribbling ability. And honestly, if you start to look at some of his high school tape, you can really see a lot of that Jalen Duran, you know, big passing ability. Man, that's tantalizing. If you could put together four really good positional passers in your starting lineup and have two ball-dominant guards, two bigs that can score, but don't demand the ball to be effective, that can score inside and in the mid-range, The thing for Jairus Walker is like you have to buy into that three-point shot. He's got to develop into a shooter. But other than that, there's really not too much to be afraid of. We talked about the size, but he's really big. And if you're playing him at power forward, I think that that's something you can live with. Maybe he transitions to like a big small forward role as well. I think could have the athleticism and the quickness to do it. So my prediction for the fifth overall pick is going to be Jairus Walker He's also the guy, again, if Eamon Thompson is off the board, that I'd like with that pick. I think when you look at the Pistons roster and where they are, and especially if you can do this offseason that I think would be ideal for Detroit, which is to sign Cam Johnson in free agency and acquire Tobias Harris uh, in in a trade, I think that you're setting your timeline up really, really well there, not just for your veterans so that you can win now, but also for your young guys so that you can bring them along in a responsible way, but also so that they can develop strongly and start winning at a young age because those habits are so
1: crucial. Aaron, how, how do you feel about Walker at five or, or, you know, is there another player at five that you're hoping that the Pistons target, I guess it should be more of who, who you predict they're going to draft, which means you're also giving an assumption of who, who, Houston's going to pick at number four, which has been a little all over the place. I've seen some people mock Cam Whitmore there and say that that's going to be the pick. You've seen a Thompson twin there. Um, They're also a team that is looking to move out of four um, to acquire a more win now player, assuming that they're also going to get James Harden and are going to be vying for the play in as well. So a little bit tricky to see what Houston is going to do. Um, assuming that they're going to make a pick, I think it's probably the easiest way. So Aaron, who do you predict that the Pistons are going to be drafting out of those four that the athletic reports uh, interest the Pistons the most?
0: I will predict that they draft Cam Whitmore. Uh, I don't dislike Whitmore at all. I think he has some very intriguing skills. Obviously, the knock on him is his decision-making, his lack of ability to you know, pass, which goes against what Jasper was was just talking about with someone like Jairus Walker but I do think Whitmore has a lot of upside and something that I talked about last year when the Pistons were drafting was that I was hoping that they would draft for big highest upside take a swing on a guy like Jaden Ivey who was maybe a bit of a quote-unquote riskier pick than someone like Keegan Murray would have been but Ivey's upside was just so significant and I feel like Whitmore kind of fits that billing this year as that prospect who maybe is a little bit more risky because he doesn't have a ton of the, the you know, fits, a, fits any type of team skills. But the talent is there with this kid, and I, I think he's a guy that would work in Detroit. He's not the biggest, which is something that I'm looking for the Pistons to add this offseason trying to figure out how they do it in the draft and still struggling with the, you know, perfect scenario, unless they do take Jairus Walker. Um, but I like Whitmore. I, I, I see him being a guy that Detroit likes. I know that there's a lot of intrigue around the Thompson twins. I know that Amen is, is the projected better of the two. And I can certainly see Houston taking him at four, which leaves a on the board. It leaves Whitmore on the board. A guy that I still really like, I just don't know if he's taken at five is is Taylor Hendricks. I think his ability is, you know, a a a four that can could fit as a three, could play some small ball five in spurts. Uh, I think his ability to to shoot the ball, he's a, a really strong rim protector and can, de- and can defend multiple positions. And that's just the kind of player, the the archetype of a player that I tend to gravitate to. So in a draft class that doesn't necessarily have a bunch of big wings uh he's a guy that i i'm gravitating towards uh, with there not being a ton of those guys available and a guy that i think is going to be a top eight pick i i don't know if he gets the the late surge into the top five but i certainly think as he's continued to rise up mocks from you know the back end of the lottery i i I think he's going to end up Going in the you know, top eight, a team like Indiana would make sense as well at seven. Uh, but I don't think I'd hate it if Detroit taken it, took him at five. Would it probably be a little bit of a reach? Yes, but at the same time, I don't love any other prospect that's going to be available there uh, You know, so much more than a guy like Hendricks to the point where I could be mad at them, quote-unquote, reaching for him. I just think he's, he's the type of guy that has a really – High floor in terms of his ability to space the floor as a shooter and, and is a great defender. So I think he's easy to plug and play. And if you're a team like the Pistons trying to take a leap, trying to make the playoffs, that's a guy that you could expect to come in day one, maybe not start for you, but come off the bench and, and provide decent minutes for you uh, as he continues to grow and develop. But I, I, I don't, I, that's the thing with this draft class. Outside of those, those the top two guys in my mind, Victor, obviously, and then Scoot Henderson, there's not necessarily a prospect that I'm super, super enamored with. You know, last year, Ivy was the guy for me that I was super, super enamored with as I continued to go through after Paulo, after Chet. Like Ivy just really, really stood out to me. And then as I go through the guys this year, I'm just not finding that prospect. And I'm not a professional scout. Uh, I've watched college basketball, but I certainly don't watch it. Uh, as much as i watch the nba so i'm not the perfect guy i'm not the liaison for this kind of stuff so i don't have all the right answers but you know i think there's a good mix of guys that detroit could could pick from whereas last year i think it really came down to it was going to be jaden ivy or keegan murray and now this year i'm thinking well i see the case for cam whitmore i see the case for Jarrus walker i like taylor Hendricks. i, I it, you know one of the thompson twins is there i can certainly see them picking one of the thompson twins so and, and then there's always the the what if case of what if Brandon Miller slips, and it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. But what if he does? What if he's the guy that falls off late? So there's a case for a bunch of different guys. I, I think all of them have good cases in their own regard. I just don't necessarily have a guy out of this class that I'm really, really
1: pulling for as of right now. I I think one of the other aspects that you know is impossible to predict is. With Houston at four, they are a, a wild card when it comes to what they're going to do with that pick. Cam Whitmore seems like you could plug him right into Houston with James Harden, and it will immediately be able to add some offensive upside and some additional wing uh, reinforcements. They are another team that could get James Harden and be like, yep, the the fourth overall pick is available, Get your offers in now. Um, I I could definitely see that being very, very possible. And then with Portland at three, another team that you don't exactly know which way they're gonna go. They're probably gonna try to get additional players to assist Damien Lillard in an ill-fated attempt to get back to the Western Conference Finals. But you know, if if Brandon Miller does go two and Scoot Henderson who would probably be the number one pick in any other draft that doesn't have Victor Webb and Yama is available at three. You're going to see a lot of teams jump at that. You know, you're going to have Portland or I'm sorry, you're going to have Toronto maybe offering, you know, OGN and Ubi or Pascal Siakam to move up. You're going to see Orlando maybe package six, 11 and Wendell Carter to get scoot and create one of the best young teams in, in the league with, with the plethora of talent that they already have. So it's hard to pick, or at least see um, what's going to happen directly in front of you uh, if you're the Detroit Pistons. So let's just say that Cam Whitmore goes goes four. Who are you guys taking at five?
2: I I said it. I'm I'm going with Amon Thompson. I I still am a believer that you have to go with highest upside with this pick. I think he's the highest upside guy. You know, I'm totally in agreement with you, Aaron, when it comes to the prospects in this general range. I really am of the belief, like, I, I don't believe that Brandon Miller is in his own tier above the rest of these guys. Like, I really do think three through eight, it's kind of a crapshoot there. And that is tough to parse. But if I have to go with somebody there, I have to go with the highest upside guy. There's so much talent in the NBA these days you know, you have to play money ball a little bit. It's not about OBP. It's about finding the inefficiencies. And I think as of right now, there's so many great athletes in the NBA. There's so many good shooters. What are the things that set you apart from the rest of the players? I think it comes down to playmaking and defense. And when I look at this draft class, the two players that I see with the highest upside there are Eamon Thompson and Jairus Walker. So if Eamon's gone, I'm taking Jaris. Um If if Jairus is gone, I am taking Amen. and it's kind of that simple for me. I want a guy who can come in, play great defense. You know, Mike, earlier you said the Pistons' defense was subpar last year. That's like saying a, uh, you know, cutting your arm off is a flesh wound. It's you're, <laughs> you're you're selling it a little short here. They were atrocious, and we also saw a lack of playmaking from ancillary players. You know, we got. Jaden Ivey creating plays. We even saw Jalen Duren doing a little bit of that. But for the most part, Viston struggled big time with playmaking. Look how much they had Boyan Bogdanovich do at the end of games last year. Like, they had such limited playmaking ability. Um, I want a guy who can handle the ball. I want somebody who can pass. I want somebody who can play defense, has a high motor, can run in transition with the athletes that Detroit has, but also slow things down and be effective in the half court. When I look at this draft class, the two guys that fit that mold for me the most are Jairus Walker and Eamon Thompson. I'm also with you, Aaron. I'm still intrigued in Taylor Hendricks. I just, that lack of a dribble, that lack of, of um, playmaking ability that weighs a little bit on me. I think that that takes away from the, from the overall um, uh, ceiling on, on a prospect and, if I'm going for highest ceiling, I think I have to go with those two.
0: Yeah, I think if I, I, it's it's tough for me to see a world where Eamon Thompson's not off the board beyond five. And I know Jasper already talked about him, so I'll say for the sake of being different, I'll say that they would take Jairus Walker. And I think there's a real connection between Walker and Detroit. Uh, I, I, that's just the type of guy that Troy Weaver's going to like. Yeah, uh, he kind of fits the mold of some of the past guys in previous drafts that the Pistons have seemingly been linked to. I know there was some some video footage of Walker talking about Kate Cunningham as well. I I can't remember if there was some other stuff with him too, but it just seems like there's a little bit more of a connection with Detroit uh, for Walker than there is someone like a Cam Whitmore or or a Taylor Hendricks. So I and and I you know I don't that's my prediction. I don't necessarily. Know if I believe that would be the best pick, Uh, but again, I think this 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 draft. There's just so many guys that you can make the case for, and you can say why Walker would be the right pick. You can say why Whitmore would be the right pick. I just don't think it's a a clear cut and dry scenario, but I do think there's a a legitimate possibility that it could be Walker. You know how Troy Weaver feels about wings that you know are athletic and a little bit longer. He, He likes those types of guys. He just hasn't necessarily ended up drafting those guys. Um, but I could certainly see him being the pick for the Pistons at five. I just don't know if that's the case, if, if Eamon Thompson's still available because it just seems like he's being talked about, like he could be a top three pick just as much as, you know, any, you know, any other prospect could. So I I think that it's, it comes down to those two. And then you're still trying to find a way if, if you're Cam Whitmore to sneak into the top five or, or Taylor Hendricks or, you know somebody else, but I I think it would be Thompson or Walker uh, as of now. If I'm making that 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 prediction, but again, if Whitmore is available and he's not taken it for by Houston, I could could also see Detroit taking him. So you know, I, I come back to to the can cont- it could be any of them. <laughs> point of, it could literally be anyone. I mean, hey, what the hell? Just 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 draft Anthony Black at this point. It, it could be anyone. It's a crapshoot.
2: Yeah, we haven't even talked about Anthony Black. Like, that's a guy. I mean, he's not a fit for Detroit, and that's the thing. There's, like, too many other guys with comparable talent levels that are better fits, so I don't think he's really on the board for them. But let's be real. If Detroit needed a guard, I think Anthony Black would 100% be on the table at five. That's a good prospect right there. And like I said, I really do think, like, three through eight, three through nine – there's really not much separating them. It's it's a hard pick. It's going to be a really tough pick for Troy Weaver to make because he has to nail it, and there is a lot of good, not amazing, but good options to him there. So I don't envy him, honestly, with this pick. Um, I really don't. And, you know, if they can move back one or two spots, if they could move back to six with Orlando, if they could move back to seven, with Indiana, because those teams are afraid that they're going to lose their guy, I'm totally fine with taking your second choice there, taking whoever is left, whether it's Taylor Hendricks or it is Jairus Walker or it's Cam Whitmore or Asar Thompson, whatever it may be. I'd be cool with that if you can also pick up additional assets on top of it.
0: I will say this: I know we're not talking about, you know, the the thirty first pick, the second round pick on today's show, but. Talking about Anthony Black and talking about point guards, I am certainly, certainly open to the Pistons taking a point guard with that with that second-round pick. And obviously, Black's not going to be there. Um, and there's some other prospects in the first round that, you know, I do like that won't be there, unfortunately, for Detroit at 31. But just for the sake of putting it out there, I'm I'm not sure how you guys feel, uh, you know, with Alec Burks and Killian Hasel on the roster. But I'm certainly open to the Pistons taking a shot on a backup point guard at 31. 100% yeah sure you, yes you should be going
2: for the most talented player at 31 it, you don't worry about fit there and there's a hundred there's going to be three it's going to be the same thing as it is for the fifth pick. like there's going to be four or five guys that you're going to be looking at 31 and say I'd be cool with him on the team I'd be cool with him taking him I'd be cool with them taking him like there's a bunch of them so yeah you're totally right Aaron like, I think that is something that's being a little lost in the fact that the Pistons have a top-five pick, is that the 31st pick these days, especially in a deep draft class like this one, it's basically another first-rounder. Like, it, it's a late first at this point. So you're going to get a really good talent there. Um, we, we can't forget about that.
1: No, and, you know, maybe next week we'll we'll have a segment for what the Pistons can do at 31. Because um, there is a lot of talent. There is a lot of back-end talent. I think teams have realized that over the last couple of years in wanting to buy back into the second round uh, or, or move back into the second round, and and they feel fine with that. Um, it's definitely been a lot more of a competitive space lately the second round. I mean, teams hoarding second-round picks uh, to, you know, to try to find that lottery ticket, that winning lottery ticket uh, back there. So maybe next week we will talk about what Detroit can do with the 31st pick. Um, but our last segment for the podcast is about the current, some of the current players on Detroit's roster. And that would be about the bigs. And Jasper, you have the uh, review of Detroit's big men that should be out by the time this podcast is out. Uh, so if you're listening to this, you could head on over to com and you could read Jasper's review of. Um, the Pistons bigs, and Jasper, it was arguably the most interesting um, situation. Uh, Maybe not even arguably. Maybe it was the most interesting situation uh, with regards to position group for Detroit. I know we had Dylan on to talk about the guards, but the bigs, just as important. Jalen Duran had a great season at the beginning of the season, was arguably more impactful of a rookie than Jay Nivey. Um, you looked at the addition of James Wiseman, which was very divisive as you put in your piece. We talked about James Wiseman plenty and got plenty of hate uh, for being a little bit lukewarm slash low slash whatever Aaron was, which was very low on the move. Um, But nonetheless, it was a very intriguing uh low risk medium to high reward by Troy Weaver. Isaiah Stewart had an up and down season. He ended it unfortunately injured and then Marvin Bagley III who uh, has been a questionable addition by Detroit as 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 well. Um and then they gave him a 3-year $39 million deal last offseason. So and then we'll and we could talk about Nerlens Noel as well, but you know, he he was bought out and ended up signing with Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. He he was a um uh oh, everyone else is hurt. Let's throw Nerlands Noel into soak up some minutes type of player. So um Jasper, you've got a, a, a great piece that's coming out Friday uh, or today if you're listening to this podcast on the day that this is released. Um you wanna just talk us through a couple of, of the uh a couple of the seasons for some of these big guys?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Look, you said it. Jalen Durgan was awesome this year. And, you know, in in the rest of the way, starting in December, when he moved into the starting lineup, averaged 10.6 points, 10.1 rebounds in less than 20 minutes per game from December moving forward. Um, There's really, what else can you say about him? He was impactful uh, offensively. There still is work to be done defensively. But he's a really good rebounder. You saw what he can do in terms of his passing towards the end of the season. Sky's the limit for this kid. Like, absolutely, you can see him turning into one of the better centers in this league in a couple of years um, with his athleticism, his size, his tenacity. He really has all the tools you want. There's nothing else you can really say about him. Like, there's he's not going anywhere. You're not trading him. He's staying on this roster. And you're going to see him next year. I anticipate him being the starter. Like you said about James Wiseman, absolutely divisive. And it's going to be really interesting to see where he slots into this rotation next year. Um, You can't forget, they still have Marvin Bagley and they still have Isaiah Stewart. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. Uh, You know, we can break down how the, the season went for these guys. But I feel like we already know, look, James Wiseman was effective in terms of his individual offense the rebounding the defense when he was on the floor was not great the passing is non-existent it just it's not there he has a lot to prove and then Marvin Bagley he's Marvin Bagley and we know what we're getting from him it's basically the same thing you're getting from Wiseman at this point and and those are two players that seem especially redundant at this point of time and considering that you basically have to bring in a power forward this this offseason, considering there's a good chance you are going to be drafting a power forward this offseason, for me, when it comes to the bigs, I'm more intrigued to see how they how they go moving forward. Because I don't think that you can maintain a roster with Isaiah Stewart, Marvin Bagley, and James Wiseman all on it. And also bring in two new front court players, per- perhaps three, uh, considering they might bring in a, a small forward and free agency as well. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Isaiah Stewart, that is for me the number one guy that I'm intrigued to see what this next season holds for him. Look, this was the season where they kind of knew center isn't quite. Going to work out for him as a starter. Let's see what he can do at power forward. He only shot 32%, which is about his career average. He wasn't guarded for the most part on a lot of those threes. But then you look at November, he hit 51% of his threes. And in December, before he got a shoulder injury, he hit almost 37% of his threes. So there's something to build on there. It's going to be fascinating to see how he slots into this rotation if the Pistons do decide to bring in power forwards. Is he going to stay at power forward? Are they going to move him back to center and potentially move on from Wiseman? I don't see there's any way that Marvin Bagley can stay on this roster. It just seems completely untenable at this point. Um, for you guys, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, what are you looking forward to from the bigs next year? But also looking back on this previous season, you know, what came across to you as a disappointment? What came across to you as as a great success? I think we can all agree Jalen Duran was a great success. Um, but were there other successes, other disappointments that stood out to you too?
0: I think for me, obviously, everyone knows how low I was on on James Wiseman. So I don't need to go into detail on that because everyone's just going to, moan in the comments about how negative i am
1: um (laughs) don't worry we'll link back to those podcasts in case anybody's bored and wants to listen to the post trade deadline podcast of us wondering what the hell happened uh with sadiq bay and the front office to have him traded essentially for james wiseman and then aaron's some of some of his legendary uh (laughs) <laughs> legendary levels of questioning as to what exactly Troy Weaver's doing. So yes, that, and uh, I would, I would recommend doing
0: that because I had a lot to say, um, but I don't want to go into a ton of detail on Wiseman. Obviously I felt uh, like that was a poor trade and, and he's not what, what the Pistons should be looking for, looking for and trying to add at this time uh, with the identicalness of Marvin Bagley. I, I feel the same way about him. Uh, I look at the bigs on this roster and outside of Jalen Duran, I don't know if I'd be heartbroken uh, if any of the any of the other ones were gone uh, next season. I, I do like Isaiah Stewart. I do think he does some good things. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know what his value is going to be in the open market, not this offseason, but next. Obviously, he's available, you know, he's eligible for contract extension this year. I, I, I don't think he signs it. I think he's, that's the kind of guy that bets on himself and, and see what see what happens after you know his fourth year in the league. But uh, I, I still don't think he's anything more than a bench big. I think he he does some good things, but I don't love a- everything that he does and, and and what he can't do and what he doesn't have. Um, so for me, outside of Jalen Duran, the the big man group is is wide open for Detroit. Which for how much uh, Troy Weaver has has worked on the big man group and how many bigs have have come in, come and gone. From from this team under his watch, I think it's a little disappointing that we're sitting here, you know, going into year four, and we 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 don't have a a solidified grouping of bigs outside of Jalen Duran. Uh, I'm hoping next year to see some new faces. I think the the off is important this summer in terms of adding some bigs that that can shoot and help base the floor, whether they're playing alongside Jalen Duran or are coming off the bench. Um, doesn't necessarily fit with this with this topic necessarily, because I know we're talking about the bigs uh, from, from last year, but I'm just going to throw it out there because I, I tweeted something about it. It got an absolutely zero engagement. So I don't think anyone really agrees with me, but um, wonder what Washington is doing right now. Uh, I, I would imagine they're going to enter a rebuild now that they hired a new general manager. It sounds like they're going to trend in that direction and they're just kind of talking about, oh, we're going to leave all our doors open and we're going to talk to our players and we'll go from there. But it does sound like they're going to start a rebuild. And for as much as people talk about Kyle Kuzma as the forward uh, from the Wizards that that they could see the Pistons getting, I would be uh, a little open to a potential Kristaps Porzingis trade. Uh, but that's another topic for for another time. Oh, oh. You lobbed a softball. What Uh, wouldn't that be a
2: sign and trade? Isn't he a free agent?
0: He has a player option for Uh, thirty six million dollars. It has to get he has to decide on it by I think June twenty first or June twenty third. Just wanted to throw that out there since we're talking about the bigs. It's not related, and we don't have to go into any further detail. Just the point of I don't love the bigs on this roster outside of Jalen Dern. I wasn't happy with the production out of any of them last year. Uh, I know Isaiah Stewart missed a ton of time, so we didn't get the full scope of what he can do, but I don't think he was having a great season overall anyway. Um, but super excited that Jasper has the big piece out. It's out at 11 a.m. on Friday, so if, you, if, if you're if you listening before this, uh, if you're listening on Friday morning, you're a sicko. We love you for listening as soon as we dropped it because this comes out at like, 7 a.m. Uh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> you're
1: not a sicko. You're a great person. We, we love are, you. Terrible. No, you you're are a, a sicko. sicko.
2: You are a sicko. You're a freak, and we love you for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, sick yes <yeah>, sick <laughs> SOBs um and DOBs I you know I want to or or TOBs um, sure. so they, the yeah um anyway uh no I I will say Aaron I think actually though you're like kind of hitting on a big thing which is when you're looking at this big position for last season all you can really think about is next season That really is what it comes down to because it's so untenable the way that this position has worked out so far for Detroit. You just can't have James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley both on the same team. You need to figure out what you're doing with Isaiah Stewart. And you also just looking back at these, you need more. You need a legit power forward. And in order to do that, you're probably going to have to clear some space. So I think the thing... Really, when it comes down to looking back at the season for Detroit's bigs, it's really more about evaluating who should be on the season, on the team next season, more so than it is, hey, you know, this guy did this, this guy did that. I think pretty much the whole fan base is in lockstep on most of these guys. It really comes down to, I'm sorry. Not James Wiseman just well maybe not James Wiseman (laughs) fair enough maybe not James (laughs) Wiseman but I also don't anticipate James Wiseman being moved and so then it really comes down to like what are you doing with Isaiah Stewart and Marvin Bagley and how do you feel about them staying on the team what is their ideal role because they both are kind of stuck between power forward and center and now you might be bringing in a player who's maybe more to small forward, power forward, but like if it's Taylor Hendricks, that dude's playing power forward day one. Jeroz Walker, I I would be shocked if he's playing small forward, like when he first comes into the league. He needs a lot of work in his skills. I I think he's, and his three-point shooting, especially. I think he's a guy that you kind of have to play at the four. So if you're bringing one of those guys in, you're also signing a wing player. There's just not the space for all four of these guys to be on the team next year. It's going to be really fascinating to see what happens because like I have maintained since before the season even ended, two of those four guys, they're gone. I'm telling you they're gone. I, I'm, I just, I don't see how you can bring in Monty Williams and expect to contend and also play the style of defensive basketball that he likes to play without moving on from two of those guys.
1: You know, I think the most disappointing thing unfortunately for, for the front office and for us as as you know having sort of a stake in 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 the growth of some of these players that unfortunately Isaiah Stewart's sh- shoulder injury really derailed what could have been a a really important evaluation period because post shoulder injury his shooting numbers cratered um and we talked well, many times throughout the season that this was an evaluation year, you guys see what you are gonna stick with. Killing Hayes wanted to evaluate, see what sticks. Um, Sadiq Bay before he was traded, you wanted to see are you gonna be offering him a contract extension? And Isaiah Stewart's in the same boat. And the shooting numbers for the month of November, obviously, and then the month of December are very positive. And then he sort of just kind of hit a wall after that injury. So, to me, the disappointing thing is he was injured, and and the office can't get a full evaluation of if they should be offering a, a you know a contract extension to him, and the lack of answers is just as bad as him having, you know, it might even be worse than him having uh, just a plain old bad season because then at least you know you're moving on from him, um, but now that you don't know, it creates this am- ambiguity that. Pistons really didn't need, I mean, I don't think I, I'd be disappointed if Stewart, Bagley and Wiseman were all gone either. Um, just, just because you have to find some cohesiveness with the bigs and Jalen Duran was obviously the bright spot. He looked like the answer at center, um, which is, is great. Um, but, uh, you know, we've seen bigs and other uh, big rotation be very, very critical to successful playoff teams. Um, I don't mean to talk about my Cleveland Cavaliers, but they had Robin Lopez as the backup center. And when Jared Allen was scared of the bright lights, they had nobody else to turn to uh, in that backup five. And then the Mitchell Robinson ended up taking everybody's lunch money and giving them a wedgie and then a swirly and then left. And, you know, you see a bunch of bigs dominating in these playoffs. You see Bam Adebayo, you know, going at, you see obviously Nikola Jokic being, the best player on the planet. So having a big rotation is kind of necessary, especially if you're going to be in the Eastern conference where there are a lot of very good bigs. And there was just not enough shown outside of Durin to make me really excited about anything. And I don't know what you're going to have to attach to Marvin Bagley to get him off the roster, but you're you're, you're probably going to have to attach something to him um, or really take just a, a really poor trade. And then with Wiseman, I mean, you traded Sadiq Bay for him. Does that mean you're obligated to, you know, to sign him to something different? You know, he's got a, I think he has a team option next off season. It's, a, it's 12 know. and a half million. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen at all, but, you, you know. Who knows? Who knows? <sighs> oh, and that's the it's thing true. too.
2: So I didn't even, it didn't bring it up because he doesn't count as a big. He's more of a wing, but like, we also can't forget, Boyan Bogdanovich played the majority of the minutes at power forward for this team this year. That is another guy. Like, what happens with him is also going to affect what happens with these guys because I don't know if you, I mean, no, I do know. I don't think you can play him at small forward at this point in his career defensively. Like, if you're going to take a step forward defensively, I don't think think you can. So, like, do you continue to play him at power forward if he's still on the team? Well, if he's not, then the question becomes who are you trading him for and what are you trading for? I think you got to trade him for another power forward. Like I said, bias harris maybe that's also how you get out from under bagley that is something that could definitely work for you then you feel a little better about trading for jarris walker because then you go into the the season with a center rotation of duran and wiseman and then you go with a power forward rotation of harris and walker and then like i said if you sign cam johnson well okay you feel a lot better about where you at maybe you say isaiah livers you know slots into that three four as well you can see things making a lot more sense that way. Um, so I think even though he's not a big, what the Pistons decide to do with Boyan Bogdanovich is going to play a big role in what happens with the rest of the true bigs on their roster this offseason.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, the Bogdanovich thing will be very interesting because, you know, if, if you do need to attach Bagley you know if if that is the way to get rid of marvin bagley then so be it i think um, you need to be able to have that flexibility and we all knew that signing was not a good signing when it happened and much similar to the wiseman move we sort of all thought yeah there's no way that wiseman and bagley can play together at all um why did you do this troy weaver why and now we just kind of have to figure out how to undo those mistakes and those those overlapping uh, skill sets and inefficiencies. So, But Jasper, the the Biggs uh, article review is is very good. I certainly encourage all of our listeners to check out com to read that. It'll be out Friday, probably when you're listening to this podcast, unless you are, as uh, Aaron said, Here's a sicko. Home. So, <laughs> sicko. right, unless you're an absolute sicko, yeah. a.k.a our best friends
2: in, in the words of Scott Steiner, big Papa pump, shout out to all my freaks out there. Okay.
0: I know there are some, yeah.
1: People,
0: I... Like go ahead. <laughs> right away. And I get, it. I mean, we drop it at like seven in the morning. So some people are, you know, turn it on on the way to work. Like I love you. God bless your your soul for doing that. Like that's amazing. But the, uh, the big preview is going to come out at 11 one way or the other. So, Still go and read it because yeah, Jasper put a lot of effort into that, and it's it's super refreshing to have numerous people writing content again for the website. Not something that we are always actively doing, but doing it right now, it is incredible. I'm writing a a, a draft preview. The draft previews have already started uh, releasing on the website. We got the bigs preview out. The guards preview dropped last week, so it's so refreshing to have everyone writing again. And it it, t- it tells me that there's, it's a time of the year where there's some optimism around the Pistons, because once you get into the season and they've got four wins uh, in 2022, and they're going into January and it's, the season's over. Uh, it, you don't really feel like writing about the team, but that, that season of hope, uh, it tends to, to creep up on us. And now everyone's writing and it's, it's really refreshing. And, and we're writing some great stuff and we appreciate everyone for supporting us by, by reading uh, by by watching, by listening, by subscribing, by liking the content, it's it's all incredible. So I know we're getting that point where we're wrapping up the show. Just wanted to say that Jasper's got a great big preview coming out. We got more scouting reports coming out. Super, super excited for the content uh, as we get to that heat of the offseason for the Pistons.
1: Look at fearless leader going in and just crushing the end of this podcast. Hey, got to do what you got to do.
0: Got to do what you got to do, it's right? That's true. We're getting to the point. I mean, hey, we're 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 probably what it we're, we've got to be over an hour, right? We're okay. well over an hour at this like point. We're, yeah, we're like an yeah. hour ten. So I know, uh, so we, so mean to know what. Which also means it's So you know what? So you know
2: what? If you're listening, if you're still listening at this point, and it's nine a.m., you're a double sicko. And we comment double sicko. Love you for that.
0: Comment <laughs> sicko if you're listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> if
1: you're,
0: if you're <laughs> comment sicko in the YouTube comments. Yup, you will get you will get a prize from us.
1: <laughs> boy if you are listening on youtube while you're driving that that actually is some sicko behavior yeah don't don't
0: comment then if you're driving right now i mean if <laughs> older, you know get a coffee whatever then comment sicko but don't do it as you and comment. comment do it right. at tim hortons do it at tim hortons
1: more of a duncan I thought you definitely said part. tim Forkins.
2: no no no, no. okay I, this is going to turn into a two-hour podcast if we get into duncan first tim hortons duncan
1: sucks Tim Hortons You're right. all the way. Tim Hortons right. is much better than Duncan. Correct. Tim Hortons Correct is better answer. than Duncan.
2: Mike, t- end the podcast. End the podcast okay. now, and,
1: Mike. Uh, with that, <laughs> uh, everybody was anxiously waiting for our coffee takes, which is something we've surprisingly have never gotten to on this podcast <laughs> in however many years we've done <laughs> this. Uh, um, time, no, let, me, time, let me guess.
2: Wh- Aaron likes his mocha frappa, kappa, dappa, I don't give a damn. Give me a uh, uh, black coffee. That's right. Uh, what, what real
0: men drink i'm gonna tell you yeah man, a, a hot black coffee if i'm gonna do an iced coffee give me an iced coffee a little cream a little vanilla i'm not a cow oh, yeah let's keep it simple here that's right
1: aaron is also the one that goes to bed at nine o'clock at night so <laughs> i'm shocked <laughs> that's actually surprising all of a sudden oh,
0: man. Two, uh, two new co-hosts for uh, a detroit pistons podcast Let me know if... <laughs> oh no
2: oh no Shoot. oh no uh the audition is going to be brewing Aaron a cup of coffee yeah. <laughs> I'd
0: actually really and getting it. it
1: from a reputable place that's right. a i love of it
0: coffees there's a flight of different coffees i'm down a flight wow of a
2: flight well of i at this point i need to throw myself down a flight of stairs so let's let's wrap this thing up all, all right okay fellas.
1: all right we're gonna go ahead and wrap <laughs> this up uh before we get deeper into the coffee discourse um Guys, thanks so much for joining me on this edition of the podcast. You know, we covered a lot. It was a super long podcast. Thank you all for uh, joining us through this hour and now 15-minute podcast. Uh, uh, the NBA draft is coming up quickly. We hope you'll be sticking with us as we hurdle towards uh, the Pistons' fifth overall pick and who that choice is going to be. We'd like to thank our sponsor as well. Of course, that's Online And you haven't already, you can use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, at betonline.com to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. So for my co-hosts, Jasper Bologna and Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Anguilano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. We will see you all next time.